You're listening to the Anchor Faith Church Message Podcast with our senior pastor, Earl Glisson. Enjoy the message. We started last week uh, on this particular subject. In fact, I was uh, speaking to the Lord today and got a couple of sermons in my spirit. And one, man, I was like, that is so good (laughs) that I started to write it down. And then I called Chase and said, we need to film this one. Can we film tonight? Can we do that? I really believe we need to do that, you know. And then, you know, as I was chewing more, the Lord's like, you didn't finish last week. I'm like, you're right. So I text him back, we're not doing that. I got to finish last week. Amen. Aren't you glad for the Holy Ghost? Amen. So um, I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. So we're talking about the kingdom education. We're talking about kingdom education or about study. It's the uh, education principle of the kingdom. And we said this, the education system is designed to transfer, reinforce, and teach with repetitions the laws, values, morals, and manners of the king and the kingdom to succeeding generations and new citizens. The Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. Now, when I make this definition, I'm going to read it again. I'm going to stop at one particular word because when you get there, people kind of lock up. Um, But, you know, you don't need to because we need to understand some things are still in effect, and that's even in the New Covenant. It says the education system is designed to transfer, reinforce, and teach with repetitions the laws. Now, most people, when you hear the word law today, they're like, oh, no, we're not under the law. Well, we're not under the Mosaic law. But there is a law that is in existence. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So Jesus is a king, and when he speaks, it becomes law, meaning it's legally binding. And that's good news for us. Now, we are not being legalistic. Really, what we're saying is we're not trying to work out our salvation independent of God, but with his word. In essence, we're saying we're hearing what you say, but we're going to do it on our terms, how we want to do it. And you got to accept us. We're not doing that. What we're doing is we're hearing what God says. There, it legally is binding because where the word of the king is, there's power. Whatever he says, he has to do. And as a result of that, we can come back to him then with his word and say, you said, and he's obligated. I said, he's obligated to do his word. He said, my word will not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which it was sent to do. So again, when we're learning about his kingdom, there are laws, values, morals, and manners of the king. In essence, the Lord says, listen, and you better be glad it's legal. And it's law. And that is this, that he redeemed you and bought you with the blood. And that was a transaction that has been legally documented so that the end of your life when you stand before the Lord, if the devil showed up to be the accuser of the brethren and says, I know what this one's done. I know how bad they've blown it. I'll give you a list of all their failure and treason to to your crown, to your kingdom. Jesus is saying, but I got another one. Are you with me? Let me tell you something. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That is a legal binding book. If it's not in that book, you have no legal standing with the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Amen. We have no legal standing. All who will stand before the Lord and he opens up the Lamb's book of life and their name's not written in it, they're not going to say, you made a mistake. I want an appeal. <laughs> He'll shut that one, pull out other books. And those other books are going to have all your treason, transgression, sin, everything you did at disobedience to God. And it will legally bind you so that you then would be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. So when God says, though all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, aren't you glad that it works? Yeah. And that you can be assured. We're not like hoping it worked. We know that it works. We know that we are right with God. We know that we are new creatures in Christ. And how do we know this? Because our spirit that we don't even see bears witness with his spirit that we do not see, but we are convinced. Hallelujah. And we have confidence that if we're absent from the body, we present with the Lord. Well, do you understand? He had more to teach us than just be born again. Right. Amen. So we're talking about this because we just finished a series. If you've been with Anchor Faith Church and you've been listening, <laughs> you know, you can be here and not listen. Um, but you've been here and you've been listening. We were talking about how to be led by the Spirit, that we are to follow him. And the uh, thing that we learned about the Lord is the reason he was so proficient at following the Holy Spirit is because he knew it is written. He was a studier of the word. He knew it first. And so we ourselves are to be that so that we know his word because we want to know his way of doing things. We saw last week that in Matthew chapter 4, 17, he says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent is not a religious word. It means to think differently or to change your thinking. And so we knew we've all had this experience and honestly across the board denominationally um, that believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave and that you are to believe that and confess him as Lord that you'll be saved. All of those denominations all believe that we didn't know what we were doing to be right with God. We were wrong. I tried to live right. I tried to do it my way. I tried to be a good person. But at the end, I, I, I realized I needed Jesus. I needed to accept his sacrifice. Well, if everything we were doing to try to be right with God was wrong, why do we think the minute we get born again that we think immediately right? Well, the Bible tells us we don't. That we're going to have to change our thinking. In fact, Jesus says, listen, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within your midst. It's within your grasp. You could gain access to it. But the only way you're going to do it is you're going to have to change the way you think. Right. Notice he says change the way you think. Because when you're born again, it has nothing to do with thinking. Okay. When you're born again, it has nothing to do with thinking. It has everything to do with your spirit man. Because your spirit man was dead, lost in his trespass and sin. It's spiritual, right? That's who you are. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. So your spirit man, you could have never changed that. It was dead, separated from God. But when you made Jesus Lord, you became a new creature in Christ. The old passed away. Behold, all things became 
new. Now your spirit man is alive to God and has the capacity to hear God. It's made in the likeness of God, which means your spirit man does not sin. It doesn't even want to. It wants to obey what the Holy Ghost is saying. The problem is your thinking's off. So if you're having any issues navigating this new life in Christ today, it's not your spirit that is having the problem. It's your mind renewal that's having the problem. And too often we love just a simple form of this message that if I ask God to come into my heart and save me when I die, I go to heaven, and we don't even think about changing the way we think. Right? But then we have challenges, we have issues, and we're not seeing all that this alive uh, person in God is and I've been made in his likeness, but what good is it if I think the way the rest of the world thinks? So the Lord says you've got to renew your mind. You've got to change your thinking. So we saw then in Matthew chapter 5, I'm not going to read that, but he began to deal with some thought processes that they had that, listen, you've always heard it this way, but I'm saying to you. So you understand when you come to church, we may have heard it away. You may have heard mama say it, grandma say it. You know, it may have been in all the denominations growing up, but is it what God's saying? It's amazing how loyal people will be to their natural family concerning God yet won't go to God himself and says, are they right? So then we saw in Matthew 28, Jesus said um, that all authority was given to him in heaven and earth, starting in verse 18, Matthew 28, 18. But then we see in verse 19, it says, go therefore, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, he said, Jesus spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, go therefore and what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. So we are to go not to get people converted to Christ, not to get them born again alone. That was never the Great Commission. The Great Commission was to go make disciples. Now, you can't even be a disciple of Christ or become a student of his until you're first born again. And we're going to see here in a minute, according to Scripture, that unless you are born of the Spirit, you can't even understand the things of God. So we know then to make a disciple first means you, that you must convert them or they will be converted, as we say, uh, to become a child of God. But we are not to stop there. If God was like, all I want you to do is get them born again, so we can get them out of here when they die. They're going to be with me when they die. That's all I want. Just tell them what I did. Ask me to be their uh, savior, accept my blood, and leave them alone. Let's go to the next thing. Let's go to the next thing. Let's go to the next thing. But he doesn't. He says that they, you are to make disciples. And where are we to make these disciples? In every nation. So there's not a place on the planet we shouldn't be trying to get people disciples. All right? But look at verse 20. What are we doing to these disciples? What are these disciples supposed to be, uh, what, what supposed, action is supposed to take towards them? Teaching them. Teaching who? Them. Who's them? The disciples. What are we teaching them? To observe all. Well, if there's only one thing to observe, then why didn't he just say teaching them to observe that I am their Savior, that when they die, they go to heaven, and to remember that? No, teaching them all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So he's saying, there's a lot I've said to you. There's a lot I've taught you, and there's a lot more I'm going to teach you because Jesus said this. He said, there's many more things I love to tell you, but you're not even able to bear them yet. But when he, that is the spirit of truth, 
When he comes, he's going to do some things, right? So he's saying, listen, I've taught you a lot. I want you to go uh, declare my kingdom. Let them know that they can have access to my kingdom through being born of it. In order to be born of it, they must believe with their heart that I came, uh, that I died, and on the third day I was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Ghost. I am the Son of God. I was their substitute. When they make that confession, then you are to enlist them immediately into the university of God. And we are to start educating them with this new kingdom that they are a part of. This is no different than an immigrant in another nation that would come to the United States, apply for citizenship. They immediately enlist them in a school. And they enlist them into a school. They have to take classes to learn the culture of the U.S. In fact, when they do their little raise the right hand stuff and they are sworn in as citizens, they actually have to denounce loyalties to their own nation. Which means if the nation they're leaving picks up arms against the new nation they're a citizen, they won't go and take up arms with them. They'll stay and fight for the new nation they become a citizen of. But how many people have just gotten converted and they want to take up arms in the flesh? They want to pull their old world into God's world and want God to be satisfied with it. Well, this is what we're doing when we don't change our thinking. We want our spirit man to be alive to God, but we want our mind to be back in the world. And we, it's like, God, it's the audacity that you would require me to think like you. <laughs> so we're to teach and learn. We did this example. I don't know if uh, all my students are here. I see one. Who is in college right now? Literally in college. Anila, all right, stand up. Who else? If you're in college, stand up. Oh, all right. So we have a couple of college students, Rachel, right, and Anila. Remember last week, we talked about this, that our nation has this belief system and says it all the time, that our society would be better and that people would be better if we, they would just have a better, we need to educate. Uh, don't we hear this all the time around election year? All the time we're always hearing this. You know, we just need to educate. If there's a problem going somewhere in the world about something, we're saying, well, they just need, we need to educate. We need to get better education. We need to educate them. We need to educate them. We need to educate them, right? I mean, we got to get educated, people. We're just ignorant, apparently. And so, you know, we need a better education. And what do we do? There's a whole platform of trying to get free college. Because the audacity that we would not let everyone in a free nation. Y'all all right? I know you're standing, but it's for a purpose. Okay. The audacity that we have a free nation and not everyone has a right or the ability to go to college because if they just would go to college and get their education and degree, they would have a better life. Is this not true? Now, I'm not against the education. No problem. What I'm against is the fact that you diminish this education. And you treat the world's education, when I say you, I'm not talking about you, obviously. 
Obviously, we're talking about everybody else, not in this room. But let's just pretend one of those people are here. Okay. <laughs> let's pretend. Your education, the world, we treat the world's education with more respect and sacrifice than a kingdom education. Okay, so um, are y'all going to the same school? Ah, oh, great. Uh, Rachel, where are you going? Uh, ooh, say that again. Wow, so you fly? I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so she goes to Arizona. She translates every class. No, I'm kidding. Um, and then you're going to Flagler, correct? Okay, so that's local, right? And now we said this last week, all right? Rachel... How did you get to go to Arizona State University? Okay, but uh, I, I appreciate that. But how did you become a student? Oh, you had to apply. How did you become a student of Flagler? You applied. Isn't that interesting? I mean, the audacity that Flagler just wouldn't let them come because they want to. Because they want an education. So we could say it this way. You didn't choose Flagler, but Flagler chose you. You didn't chose Arizona State University, but Arizona State University chose you. Now, don't get me wrong. You applied. You made a choice to apply. But they could have what? Denied it. You can be seated. We know that God chose us. We didn't choose him. We have no, we, how many students do we know of, people we know of, that applied to a university they wanted and they were denied? Denied. Oh, I'm preaching. Yet, God says, I need you at Anchor Faith Church. Nah, I ain't going. But that's the body I'm assigning you to. Right where you're going to be jointed and fitted with other believers that pulls your gift out. Because I'm telling you right now, Rachel is not walking into Flagler tomorrow. What class are you taking, Anila, right now? Tomorrow? Yeah. What is it? <laughs> I'm sorry. Slow, slow down a little bit. Grant writing. Grant menship. Grantsmanship. Oh, that's so educated. Grant writing. I got you. Okay. Now, Rachel can't wake up and say, I'm going to try out Flagler. You know, I just feel like going to Flagler today and walk into her class and sit beside her. Because you know what's going to happen. The instructor, or we call him the teacher, is going to say, excuse me, ma'am, um, why are you here? And Rachel's going, oh, I felt like coming to Flagler Day. I'm a college student, you know, at, at Arizona State University. I mean, that's where I'm, you know, I've been accepted. But I just thought I'd show up today, you know, because, hey, I want to be educated. I wanted to hear about this. I mean, what are you even talking about today? <laughs> I have an interest in grant writing. So I heard you were giving a class or a friend, so I decided to come. <laughs> the instructor's going to do what? Ask her to leave. If she refuses to leave, the usher team will come. 
other student is going to have no problem with that. But if a pastor said, so who are you? What? Oh, I actually go to Good News Church, or I actually go to Anastasia, or I actually go to Reverb, or I actually go to Church on the Rock, or I actually go to Colonial. So why are you in this service? <laughs> well, I mean, I go, we go whatever church we want to. You can't go to any college you want to. Yet God literally says in his word, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, and God places each member in the body where it pleases him. Now, you can ask, Lord, I, I want to go to Colonial, and I'm using local churches, right? I want to go to Anastasia. I want to go to Reverb. I want to go to Church on the Rock. I want to go to the Assembly of God Church this year. You know, I want to go to whatever, Crescent, uh, Crescent Beach Baptist Church. The Lord could say, you know, that I appreciate you apply for that, but I actually want to train you. But we don't even ask. We just go most of the time. We, there's no such thing as university hopping. Now, here's the next thing. Although Rachel is currently receiving, by all rights, a free education, which is not free, she actually works for the company that in turn then gives money for her education. It's called a benefit. So I'll pay you this amount because here's a benefit I have. Because if I didn't have that, maybe I would pay you more. But I'm trying to show you that I would. The point is it's costing somebody. So money is being distributed to the teacher to teach you what they know. But we come to church. And the pastor says, well, we're going to pick up an offering for... <sighs> That's Old Covenant. <laughs> oh, you have no problem shelling out, applying for... Five, try, you go, you go look for the money. Looking for a scholarship, a Pell Grant, a, some kind of... Somebody help me go to school. Help me so I can be better. But you won't say, now, Lord, help me with a tithe. Help me with an offering. Help me, Lord, so that I can be a giver back to your kingdom. Help me. Then you know as well as I do, we said this last week, that you'll graduate from that university. Get your great degree. There it is. You have all the accolades of all those individuals who said you have accomplished whatever it is and you've met whatever that particular standard is. Then they'll have the audacity after you graduate to run you down and ask you to donate back to the place that taught you. First of all, I'm in debt, $100,000 in debt to your university. Come on, you, somebody, how many of y'all have school debt right now? Oh, stand up, please. Please stand up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Right? So they own you in one sense. Now, how many of you have already, if you are a graduate and you have your degree, that they have asked you to donate to the school? Oh, my gosh. The audacity. Don't they care that you're in debt? 
right, be seated. No, they don't care. They don't care that you borrowed money in order to get their education, that they accepted you anyway. You didn't accept them in this sense. They said, I appreciate that you've applied, but we've got to determine, are you the type of student we want on campus? And we would come up to church, and the Lord would say, now this is the kind of citizen I have in my kingdom. You telling me to change? This is the type of people that we have. Oh, hallelujah. We don't even argue with the world. And I told you this last week. I had to withdraw from my algebra class when I was in college, not because I was not making the grades. I had an A in the class, every test and every homework assignment. But I wouldn't show up. And they said, Mr. Glisson, you have too many absences. Because of that, unless you withdraw now, we're going to be putting an eye on your transcript as incomplete. So I had to withdraw, which means I did not get credit for a class that I took in the eighth grade. I have no algebra college credit to my name but I took pre-calculus as a high school senior. And they got my money. They didn't refund me. I didn't get a refund for my withdrawal. My point is, is that if I cannot get credit and progress in my education development by not showing up to class, why does the church think they're going to progress in their kingdom education and not come to church? And the reality is many are withdrawing from church, not because the church isn't giving them a great kingdom education. It's because they're not coming to class. It'd be better for me to actually charge you to show up. Have the ushers are saying, you got to have your fees today. This class costs. <laughs> We're laughing, but the reality is I, have, I know multiple college graduates that they are making income and a class will come within their field and they'll pay more money to go hear somebody speak on a particular subject matter after the fact to continue their education or to learn new stuff and have no problem dropping it. I know business people in this room right now that have dropped $1,000 easy, $5,000 easy to go to a seminar and smiled with expectation. 5000 Oh, man, I can't wait to get in this class. <laughs> oh, why are you so serious on me? I just want you to know God does give a free education. It cost him his blood. He, it's scholarship money. It, I said it's scholarship money. Every kingdom citizen has a scholarship to his university. 
But make no mistake, it cost him his life for you to come. And typically, when we ain't paying for something, we don't value it. That's the problem. The Lord's like, I laid down my life so that I could get you. I, not only could I get you into my family and get you in the citizenship of the kingdom, but then that blood also is there so your mind can get changed so that you can operate like a kingdom citizen. And actually, you'll never graduate. <laughs> you will always be learning from the creator of heaven and earth. We get so enthralled by man, women, all these individuals with all their accolades, but we have the creator of the world, the universe of everything known, of every subject that could ever be taught right here on the inside. And we'll debate with him on whether to show up for his class. So, learning, Dr. Miles Moreau said, is more than mental knowledge of facts and information. The knowledge must be reproducible in practical terms. This means demonstrating the ability to perform the action learned as well as teach it to someone else so that they may learn it also. I took two years of Latin in high school. I know very little about it, which tells me this. I memorize to pass. And in true form to the word, faith comes by hearing, which means repetitively and hearing and hearing and hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. If I do not keep myself in the word, I will not manifest what the word has. If I do not continue to stay in line of things that I've learned and keep it in my mindset, then I will lose the information I have. I won't act on it. Pythagorean theorem. Anybody heard that before? Yeah. Can you quote it? A couple can. I cannot. Used to. I'm sure once I, oh, yeah, you know how you say, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I've done some, some schoolwork with math with students, and I'm like, okay, show me that again. Okay, give me, let me see one problem so it all of a sudden come back on, right? Like, oh, I remember how to do that now, right? So we can get pulled to the surface. And why? The Holy Ghost will pull things to our surface once we come back around stuff. But the reality is many of us are memorizing for a moment to get past the test. And I'm not talking about like knowing to pass. I'm talking like get through so I won't have to think about it because it's over. Now, I don't know if that's the kind of student you are. I was. You know, you take the test and you're like, forget it and go on to the next subject. And we will bring that kind of education environment in the church that I'll preach a message, and by Wednesday, which this is Wednesday, by Saturday, you will have forgotten what I preached, and you'll give the grape. So what did Pastor Earl preach on Sunday? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jesus was it. Jesus was it. Uh, can you be a little more specific, right? This is why we make our Kingdom Institute students write essays, because we've learned this. Even when they're, we're teaching, they're filtering what we say through what they already know. And sometimes what they already know will hinder what we're teaching. Because you're going to have to articulate. You're not going to get to the devil in a battle and go, can you give me multiple choice on this? 
Is this a true false? You know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of filling the blanks, right? That's not how you're going to be tested, and that's not how you're going to be tried, and that's not how the trial's going to go. You're going to have to be articulate. It is written. And know it because it's in you. It's a part. It's your being. It's who you are. And that's what a disciple is. We said, study to show yourself approved to God. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We know that you could wrongly divide the word of truth then, right? And so uh, just because you're in church and just because you're actually studying the Bible, you could study the Bible wrong. That could happen. You could study the Bible only in one vein and miss many other things, okay? Study means to do something with intense effort and motivation, Right? And I say this, again, I'm not here to be condemning, but I'm just going to be honest. There's no way you're remembering everything I'm saying right now. And most people, when they go to college class, they either have their laptops out, their iPads out, or they have their uh, notebook out, and they're having to take notes because they know that information is going to come back at some point to take a test. Everybody knows you're going to take a test. Yeah, we come to church and we're like, we don't want to take a test. But you're going to get a test. I mean, it's coming. Everything you think you know about God, the devil's going to say, test time. No problem. God gave Jesus an open book test. You are the son of God. Gave him the answer. He immediately by the spirit of God's led into the wilderness and the devil retests him. Well, if you are the son of God, I'm not sure that's it. Yeah, we'll sit here and have no type of note-taking, nothing, no intensity. You say, Pastor, I just can't take all those notes. Well, then are you actually going back online and re-listening? Because you know what you do at college. (laughs) You'd have to listen. You go back over your notes. You're reading over those notes. You're listening to those notes again. You're doing those notes again. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Hallelujah. Well, let's go on. First Corinthians chapter two, verse four says it this way. He said, in my message, Paul saying and preaching was not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the spirit and of power. So there is a wisdom that you can say that is there to try to persuade, but it actually lacks power. Not everything spoken on planet earth has power. And not every piece of wisdom that's trying to persuade you is of God. But here's the thing. If you're not a studier and trained in righteousness, you won't be able to discern. And we need to become proficient at following the Holy Ghost. All right? It says, verse 5, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of. So I don't care how wise that man is and how many degrees there are behind him, man or woman. Our faith is not to rest. I don't care what the expert's saying right now on any subject globally. Our faith is not to rest. If your decision-making is solely on what some expert, some wise guy of the world is saying, and you are I'm saying you're living your life that way. Then you've rested 
your firm persuasion on a man. And the Bible tells us not to do that. Now, I'm not saying that everything man says is outside the will of God. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is whatever's coming from a man, you better hear the Holy Ghost say you can do that. Because if the Holy Ghost, who is the greatest teacher, he is the instructor. He's the one that says, do that part, don't do that part, do this part. He can do that. But my faith does not rest on what the expert said. My faith rested on what the Holy Ghost told my spirit concerning what I just heard. That's what my faith rests on. All right? He goes on and says this, but on the power of God. Yet we do not, we, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. Which tells us this, the church, because Paul Oh, my gosh, now, Paul was a church planner. Paul wrote over half of the New Testament. Paul said, listen, I'm speaking wisdom. You know what's so sad? Is that many people don't think the church has wisdom. Now, the only reason why the church doesn't look like it has wisdom is because too many in the church are carnal and fleshly and acting like a freak of nature. And the really only reason that way is because they're not students. They want the conversion, but not the effort to study and to release their full potential. In essence, you want me to take your test for you. You want me to write your essay. You want me to give you the answers. And honestly, God for a season will let me do that. He'll allow my faith to help you. Pastor, I'm sick. I got it. I'll lay hands on you. Bible says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Power goes into you and you're healed. But there comes a time. I said there comes a time that God expects you to become a disciple of his health care system so that you can apply and get your faith on the wisdom of God concerning healing. So sure, I'm going to show you and demonstrate for a season. But there comes a time that I can't take your test. It's amazing how many believers want other Christians or pastors or five-fold ministers to help them cheat through life. <laughs> because we don't want to put forth the effort to learn from the greatest education system globally known. Wow. This, this, this education system is so awesome that if everything went down, God would still be there. If technology went down, doesn't matter. Online classes are irrelevant. He's in-line classes. He's a personal tutor. If, if, if everyone literally got separated and could not go anywhere else, he can do inline services, inline teaching. Amen? Let's go on. It says this, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are passing away. But we speak God's word, wisdom in a mystery. Are you seeing this? So that means there is a wisdom that's of this age, and of the rulers of this age, that's a passing away wisdom. Yeah. 
Come on, let's go on. I'm, I'm, I just, God's enlisted you in the greatest academia known to the planet. The greatest one. He goes on. What verse am I? Verse 7, he says, But we speak God's word in mystery, a hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, for to us, God revealed. He what? Reveal, which means they were taught. Them through how? The Spirit. And that's the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the, of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man, say natural man. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Holy Spirit of God. For they are what? Foolishness to him. All their degrees, all their expert titles will look at you and say, you're a fool. Yet you have the greatest educator on the inside. In fact, what you say confounds the wise when you're a true disciple, when you get into his education system. It says, for they are foolish to him. He cannot understand them, right? Cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. They are spiritually dead, see? But he who is, spirit, who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord? that he will instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Let me read verse 10 to 16 in the NLT, the New Living Translation. It says it this way. But we know these things because God has revealed them to us by his spirit, and his spirit searches out everything and shows us even God's deep secrets. I mean, again, most people that we would consider um, the most intelligent individuals on the planet and discovery... It's not without searching and seeking. Some of the most brilliant minds are because they are going after, searching for things. Yet God says, you have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God in you, and if you'll go to him, if you'll subject yourself to class and to teaching, he'll reveal deep secrets. Most of us never even get into the secret. Although we sing about the secret place. We don't even get in there. We don't even begin to cultivate thoughts. Get ourselves stirred up. Begin to uh, hypothesize about things concerning God. We come to class. We play with our playmates. We come to church. We socialize. We drink our lattes. Not me, but you know. We drink them, we come into here, we hang out, we sing our songs, and then we go. 
And we feel good because we came to class. You know as well as I do, most public schools right now and universities, the majority of the student body is not there to learn, but to socialize and make contacts. They're developing their social network. And you know as well as I do, those who are in the business world, that a lot of things that people are doing today are based upon their relationships, not really based upon what they actually know. And let me tell you something. You can't just have a relationship with God. Because your relationship alone will not cause your faith to grow. If it was only about your relationship with God, then he would not require you to learn. Hey, you're with me. I'll take care of it. No, we have a relationship. Now, I need to teach you some things. Because if you're going to operate in power, you're not going to be a freeloader. Our relationship is the starting point of your destiny. It's time for you to know something. Because you've been blinded all this time. Well, I have a relationship with the Lord. I can tell you what your relationship is saying with the Lord. The Lord's like, I need to teach you something. I, I made a way to get him in you. And you're not even talking to him. You're not even letting him instruct. And are you going to come to me and talk to me about a relationship? I have no relationship with my wife just because we have a ring and we're in covenant. I have a relationship because I got to know her. There's things I learned about her. Things that I know she don't like. Things I know she likes. I mean, if I keep repetitively doing the things she doesn't like, say, so listen, we have a relationship. What's the problem? <laughs> See, this, and this is the issue. So why we don't go nowhere with God? Because, well, I have a relationship. Well, you ain't told me you love me in 10 years. Well, you ought to know. <laughs> I have a relationship. We are one. We consummated this thing. Come on now. I mean, you don't want to be in a relationship with your spouse just because you're physically together. That's not relationship. See, the world's redefined what relationships are. No responsibility, just feeding your own stuff. Well, we're together. That, mean, that don't mean Jack. You don't even know nothing about You don't know what I like. What, you don't know nothing about me. You haven't even tried to learn. And we're going to, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying for me. And he's like, great. I did. I love you so much. Now, listen, it's time to go to class. Because, man, I want to open up this kingdom for you. Are you with me? Yes. Amen. He goes on and says, um, am I in this same verse? Did I get there? What verse was I? The 10. No one can know what anyone else is thinking except that person alone. And that's, I like this translation here. The reason it said no one knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man. That means I, you know what you're thinking right now. Because I look at your faces and sometimes I'm thinking, I wonder what they're thinking right now. <laughs> but you know what you're thinking. 
Some of you are thinking, I wish he'd shut up. He's an idiot. He's arrogant. I really don't like this church, but I'm only here for this person. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, things that people are saying, you know. Well, this is heresy. I'll get on Facebook and make sure I let everybody know. Right? I don't even want to be here today. Come on. Now, these are thoughts that run through people's head. They, you know what you're thinking. This is long. This is actually longer. We've been here over an hour. What is the problem? I mean, these are thoughts that people have. Right? Then there's others saying, gosh, this is so good. Wow, that's great. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. Gosh, teach me something. I wish you'd keep going. I wish he'd go to 11 o'clock. Where am I going to go? I just want to follow God. I'm just saying there's that thought too. Now, you got to figure out where you're at. Right? Oh, I hate this subject. Or I love this subject. Right? I don't know about that one. And you know, that's fine to have that one because I'm not asking you to believe it because I say it. Search the scripture for yourself. It's no problem because I'm not intimidated by your questions because I know the Holy Ghost. Paul said, listen, what I'm saying right now, if others don't believe it, fine. Got to show them later. <laughs> he didn't come off. And I'm telling you, there's things we're saying right now. I'm not, I'm not going to come off and you'll see. That the Lord wants to do way more in your life than you're allowing him. But we're satisfied to be converted. And I'm telling you, you're going to stand before Jesus one day. I don't know that he will show you what you could have been. I don't know that. I do know there's a book with your name on it. That he's going to compare your actual life to. And if you get so many chapters in and it's just a train wreck. And he might like, I'll just spare him the how awesome they'd have been. I mean, it's as sad enough as it is. <laughs> right. You say, it ain't going to be sad in heaven. Well, read the Bible. There's no more tears. There's no more tears till there's a new heaven and new earth. I don't know that everybody's going to go to judgment seat of Christ going, woo, woo. And the Lord says, let's see what you did right here. And that starts to burn. That's called the wood hay stubble. And it's because that was your own personal stuff. And you're going to be like, that's all right, but I'm here. You're going to be like, hmm, hmm. I mean, everything's coming to the king. He says this, um, no one can know. So you know, but no one knows the thoughts of, this, uh, of God except God's own spirit. This is why we have the Holy Ghost. So man cannot teach you God's stuff. Alone, He must be anointed of God and speaking by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Then when he does that, the Holy Ghost in you must echo, in essence, saying, that is it. And I've been there because Reverend Gary Crow was our dean when we were at Ramah. He taught multiple classes our first year, and he would begin to give instruction, and I was like, Wow. I mean, it's like the light came on, you know, revelation knowledge. You're like, I'm like, that's in this Bible. I can do. Are you serious? And it wasn't because he said it, it's because the Holy Ghost said that he said it. Amen. Holy Ghost said what he said is right. And I'm like, man, where's that been all my life? I'll do that thing. You know how that feels. You're like, wow. Comes alive comes alive in us. And we can't have that outside the Holy Spirit. You can't learn this just in a university alone. 
He goes on and says, and God has actually given us his spirit, not the world spirit. You know, there is an education that the world spirit's teaching. And I don't have time to go to it, but James talks about it. He calls it dark sayings. Dark sayings. Okay? So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. This is what he's saying. No, you have relationship, but you don't know what's been freely given to you. You cannot have what's been freely given to you until you grow in class through being educated according to the kingdom. And yet you have a relationship. And God's not withholding it. He's trying to teach you how to access it. He goes on and says, when we tell you this, uh, we do not use uh, human wisdom. We speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's word to explain spiritual truths. And that's what I'm doing tonight. That's what I'm doing tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. But people who aren't Christians can't understand these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them because only those who have the Spirit can understand what the Spirit means. We who have the Spirit understand these things, but others can't understand us at all. How can they? So again, when I stand up and say, look, we, we're going to stay, we're, we're assembling. That's crazy. Now, I, I get the world's going to be upset. I get the world's going to call us murderers. I get the world's going to say that we are the epicenter in St. John's County of the coronavirus now. I get it. I get it. But they don't have who I have. And he said, so I do. Hallelujah. Amen. And this should be every case that we do. Anything being spoken of, any event taking place, because a lot of events are taking place and the world's trying to tell you how to respond. When an injustice comes, how do you respond? They're going to tell you. Are you to receive your instruction that way? Are they to educate you about that? I'll touch it. It don't bother me. Why? Because I am of the Spirit of God. I believe Jesus' blood. We are all one family, so you might as well get ahead and get on with the family because the family is clothed in the love of God. We are of every tribe, tongue, nation. We are the only place that we can really operate in true unity and agape love. So there's no way I'm going to take my direction from the world in anything, in anything. And I won't respond that way. And you should not either. You should say, now, Holy Ghost, hmm, that looks bad. How do I respond? Because if you respond by sight, I can guarantee you that was not the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost says that you are not to live by sight, but to live by faith. And what is faith? Faith comes by hearing what the Holy Ghost just said about the Word and what you should do. And if you respond any other way, that was not the Holy Ghost. But it may be human wisdom, and it may keep the world from persecuting you. But do you really want the world to not persecute you? And have God be against you? No. I don't care what the doctor says about your body. What does the Holy Ghost say about your body? I don't care what the bank says about your home. What does the Holy Ghost say about your home? 
But again, you got to say, you got to teach me. He said, how could they, verse 16, for who can know the Lord, uh, what the Lord is thinking, who can give him counsel? But we can understand these things because we have the mind of Christ. You can't even have God's mind. In essence, we have the mind of Christ. Let me break this down real quick and then I'll close in 10 minutes. We have the mind of Christ. Christ is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word Messiah. Messiah is the anointed one in his anointing, which infers the king who is coming and will establish his kingdom and have no end. So Messiah is about a king that's coming. His authority, his power. Christ is that equivalent word in the Greek. So this is the king who's coming. In essence, we have the mind of the kingdom. In essence, our mind can get set in his kingdom education and respond how the king would respond. Amen. Let me tell you, the king never responds favorably to sin. He never accepts it, but he will forgive it. And they don't make a demand that it stops. I'm telling you, a lot of stuff's happening in our lives. A lot of situations are going on. And many of us, we end up making educated guesses because we are not set up underneath a kingdom education. And let me tell you, the school system done a real work on the church. What do I mean by that? Because it calls you to have a disdain for being in class. I mean, how many of you loved going to school? Thank you. That is the minority. The majority of you did not like it. So now you have to come to church. <laughs> because you're not going to get it any other way but through reading and oral instruction. See, the system was stolen from us on how to communicate, how to educate, how to train, gets perverted, then gets beat down so that you hate it. Then when you actually get in God's environment that will liberate you, set you free, and give you everything that he's freely paid the price to give you, you won't get your mind renewed to have what the relationship offers. When I say you, I'm, you understand, not in this room. All right. Galatians 4, 1 and 2, it says this. Now I say that an heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing, King James, from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Wow. Let's look at this. Put this up there. Galatians 4, 1 and 2, King James Version. Very powerful. Very powerful. This is going to prove my your relationship with Jesus is not enough theory. Okay? Now I say that the heir, that's a child of the father. As long as he is a child. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. All right. The child that is an heir differeth nothing, which means he's no different from a servant. One translation says a slave. So you got someone in the house that is not born of the father and has to be a, has no other rights. Yet we have an heir that is no different. None. Even though this child is Lord of everything. 
What separates but is under tutors and governors until the appointed time of the father? Which means if there's a servant and an heir, they're never going to be different until the heir is trained, taught, begins to take the responsibility of what the relationship with the father affords them. What's that mean? As long as you keep your slave mindset that you had when you were dead in your trespasses and sin. If you do not renew your mind, your mindset will stay as a servant and a slave, although you're born again an heir and Lord have dominion. You have dominion. You have dominion over everything that the first Adam had and the last Adam has now given you through the blood, you like a slave in your thinking. Right. A servant, you're no different. So in essence, this is why we have this doctrine of demons. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You know, I may do like you do and that, but the difference between you and me is I actually ask Jesus to come into my heart and save me because when I die, I'll go to heaven even though I talk like you, act like you, respond like you, live like you, think like you. But I got grace. He saved me. Well, for a point in time, for a while as a child, you're going to do some childish things. You're going to be able to get by with that as an heir. But there comes a point where we can't get by with that no more. There's an expectation of, of growth and development. John 14, 15 and 17 says, if you love me, Jesus said, you tell me, no. Even though we sing it, but that doesn't mean you love him. Singing, I love you, I love you, I love you, does not mean you love him. And I love you, I love you, I love you. And I, no, doesn't mean it. Because that's not how he defined his love. He defines his love. If you love me, obey my commandments. I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you in all truth. The world cannot receive him. See, people get offended at me because I will say, you, if you say you love God and you don't do his word, then you really don't love him. And they're, they're offended at this. They get like, I love him. I love him. Listen, the Bible defines how to love God. You don't get to define that. That's bringing your slave mentality into the kingdom and like, God, I'm going to love you like I want to love you now. The Lord's like, I... No, there's, I love you, okay? You were dead in, in your trespasses of sin, and while you were a sinner, I died for you. And I died for you, why? Because daddy told me to do it. I died for you through the obedience of following my father. I demonstrated my love for you that while you were a sinner, I died, and the only reason I died is because dad said so. So in essence, I demonstrated my love to my heavenly father because I didn't do anything on my own initiative, but only what I heard him say, I didn't obey. Because love in God's kingdom is not just words, but it's demonstrations of obedience to the one in authority. So again, when you say I love God, but you don't come to church, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, con I'm just saying rethink how you approach things. Right. Well, you know, God's not going to be mad if I don't come to church every time. That's not the point. 
The point is, why would you not have this desire that if my father says, do not forsake the assembling of himself together, that I want to obey him and you want to be there? Yeah, we were like, you went to church on vacation? <laughs> like they're weirdos. Well, I mean, <laughs> I love God. And we, and we start getting offended with, with these types of individuals who demonstrate God, their love like that, like God says, as if they're like religious or legalistic now because God forbid. This ain't about whether I miss. It's about I don't want to ever miss anything he wants me to do because I just want to obey him. So right, if you're not here on Sunday, God, if you don't show up tomorrow night when the man of God's preaching on prayer, yeah, God's not going to strike you down and be like, I hate you. I can't stand that you. I'm, I understand that. But why are you actually staying home in the first place? Let's think about it since you're thinking. Why would we stay home? Well, if you're working a second shift job, I got it. You work a second shift job. But if you're not, What's the reason? Well, it's been a long week. Well, the, the first two stripes that he put on my back was pretty painful. Do I have to do the rest? That nail, that kind of hurt. Do we have to continue? I, it's perspective. It's not con. It's a, we're, we are, I mean, I love God. My gosh, man. If you're going to teach me, train me, and make my life better and release to me all that your blood has given me, why would I not want? I love you, Lord. I just want to be here. I just want to do. I mean, Matthew Hunt had a severe accident this past week. Okay? Went to the hospital. Texts me because he's home and says, my wife's telling me to stay home, but I want to come. <laughs> broken ribs, broken clavicle, all that. I said, stay home. We'll see about tomorrow. Right? I know he's FaceTiming me. Then I said, even the Lord rested. Right? Because again, it, but I at least value the idea and the passion to be with others. That even in that moment of pain, it's not off the table to do God's word. That's what I'm saying. We should be at a place that we would do what, we're, we have this desire to do whatever it takes to be at the appointed time. Because I'll be honest with you, next Thursday we won't have this service. It won't happen. In November, not going to have that service. I mean, we're talking a small sliver of time that God gave us an appointed time. And you've been locked down for quite some time. So it'd be good to come out. And come to church and cultivate your prayer life. That's what I'm saying. So um, he's our counselor. He said he'll lead us into all truth. He goes, I'm telling you, while I'm still with you, John 14, 25. Come on up, worship team. Um, while I'm still with you, but the Father will send the comforter. He's my representative. Uh, and by the counselor, I mean the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I Myself, I've told you. John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose what is to come. Notice he won't even tell you what he thinks. 
He will only tell you what the Father is thinking. Wow. Romans 12, 2 says it this way. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. You're born again. Your spirit man is alive to God. You are right with God. You're in right standing with God. If you were to unfortunately die in that particular time, even in the infancy of your, con your conversion, you'd be present with the Lord. This is not about a present with the Lord question, although we could talk about that later, um, but I'm not here to have that conversation. But even though your spirit man is alive to God, you couldn't have done it. He did it. He made you a new creature in Christ. There is a requirement for you to renew your mind. It's your responsibility. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, you're not going to know his will unless you renew your mind. You're born, you're alive to God, but now you need the Holy Ghost to take you to the university. And here's the thing. There are some things that God wants to do through you that requires you to be at the right training facility. And I remember when I was called to ministry, my windshield disappeared and I saw myself before a sea of people, couldn't even number them, and I knew I was called. I immediately thought, I'm going to have to get educated. I don't know anything about pastoring or ministry. So I picked the school in Columbia, South Carolina. I picked the school because there were some, you know, extended family of my wife that had been going to a Bible school there, although they were not going at the time. I enrolled, and they, or I, I uh, applied, and they accepted. I enrolled in two classes, and I did these classes, and my life was a living hell. It was horrible, terrible. Not because of the classes, not because, you know, the devil is trying to stop me from learning, but it's because I chose a path naturally. My thought was, I graduated top 10% of my class. I had a scholarship. I'm smart. I can learn. I'll go back to school. And I picked. But God didn't want to train me there. That was never where he would pull out my greatest potential. I'm not saying those that were trained there aren't doing something great for God, but the reality is he picks, he guides my life. I mean, why am I not Gary Crowe traveling the world, teaching in Bible schools globally? Because that's not what I've been called to do. I've been called to start this church, to pastor, to be an apostle here, to plant other places. There are other things I do, but this is where I'm rooted and grounded. His call is different than mine. God chose it that way. And at this appointed time in my life, this is where I'm at, and I'm jacked excited about it. But all that I needed and what I would need, I would not have gotten at that school because it didn't teach those things. It's more of a doctrinal school, theological school, in one sense. So I go back to Florida only to come across a guy who graduated from Rama Bible Training College. And that's where God wanted me to go. He, I knew nothing about the place. Didn't know anything. 
But the Holy Ghost says, this time next year, you'll be at that school. But I had to obey because I almost didn't go because I wanted to do ministry so bad. It's like, man, I'm in my prime. I need to just, I, he wants to bring me on as a youth pastor. I'll just do this. And the Lord says, you stay here and you will not reach your potential. So we moved. Wife and three kids, no job, into a little apartment off of between 61st and 71st on Lewis Street with blue shag carpet. But God put me to the right school, and in five minutes in the first class, I'm like, wow, I don't even know the Bible. It opened up my whole life, changed everything, changed everything. There's many people hopping around. This is why they don't get grounded, aren't growing in the things of God, in his education system. I'm telling you right now, God wants you planted here. You're not here by accident. Especially if you've taken the time to be a vision partner. Now, if you've taken the time to be a vision partner, you either, you came in misleading and manipulating somewhere, or you're supposed to be planted here, and you would be further along if we would just keep coming to class and then apply what we say in class. Because your spirit man's alive. This ain't about salvation at this point in your spirit. This is about unlocking your mind and listen, I know it ain't me. I know it's the Holy Ghost. I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, I've learned more in this church and so many short than I've learned my whole time prior. Well, it's because you finally got to the place that God was there to educate you. And you finally began to submit yourself to the teaching. And we didn't candy coat it because we're not giving you an exit strategy. We're giving you an empowering strategy. But like every university people fail you know just because you fail somewhere will you let it just be a failed test instead of a failed life I mean I've taken tests and got a big fat fantastic well that didn't mean I was a failure in class it just means I didn't do that one I didn't prepare right but I'm not one what's really sad is when they become dropouts but every university has them and every church has them and it's not because it's a bad church it's because they did not stay through and every class is not designed to be easy some subjects are going to be more challenging to you because your flesh has been well educated in a different system. And the problem is your pride makes you think you're right. But God. But God. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. 